This morning, I want to talk to you about doubt. Don't spout doubt. As I thought about my New Year's message to you, I was directed to the words that we just read from Revelation 21, and I was almost shocked at what I read. Can you believe that in the midst of such words as abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, is the word unbelieving or the doubter? That the doubter is included in that horrible list in Revelation 21 of those who will not enter into the blessings of the eternal kingdom. When I saw that, I had to sit back and evaluate. How could it be that a doubter or an unbeliever, an unbelieving type of person, would be included in such a list? It became apparent to me that everything is based upon what we believe. Our whole life is based on what we think of things. We can be no greater than what we believe about God, someone has so well said. A companion text to Revelation 21 is the 20th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, starting at verse number 24. The resurrection has taken place. Jesus is appearing to his disciples, and it says, But Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, knowing he was a doubter, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. God is saying to us at the threshold of 1984, don't spout doubt. In 1984, be a believer, not an unbeliever. Be one who trusts the Word of God and the person of God and does not doubt the Word of God or the person of God. You can trust God. When you can trust no one else, you can trust God. You can trust this book, the Bible. That's why we're sending to you, at tremendous cost, timeless insights. So you can read the Bible and get explanation on the Bible, because the Word of God brings what? Faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And Jesus is saying to every one of us, be a believer, not an unbeliever. Be one who trusts, not one who doubts. Now, there are three parts to my message this morning. First of all, faith is the opposite of doubt. 
Looking at this congregation week by week almost makes me wonder about all the sorrows, problems, hopes, dreams, frustrations that are represented. I can never come up here without thinking about that. As I look into your faces, frustrations, problems, sorrows, dreams, hopes, resolutions this morning, what can I do to help? You see, that's what's in my mind. What can I do to help? As I prepare for all of these services, what can I do to help? God, what do you want me to say? What truth needs to be expounded to this body of people? A mass of people with their hopes and their dreams, their problems, their sorrows, their expectations. What can I do to help them? Would I have anything to say to a Sherry Brown in her 30s? A young single girl that found out she had cancer not too many weeks ago. I can remember her so recently being right here with us, looking as healthy as any of us. But today she's in heaven. Would I have anything to say going to her bedside the other day, yellow with that horrible disease, cancer? Would she find any faith here at Capital Christian Center through that trial? through the counsel of her pastors and her friends. And by the way, to those singles among us who have so faithfully ministered to her, God bless you. Her mother commented to me of such a love that poured out of the single congregation, particularly of Capital Christian Center, to this young lady. A great blessing. I stood there early Thursday morning before she passed away. She was in a semi-conscious condition. You know what Sherry Brown was doing? Praying. She didn't know she was praying, I don't think, but she was praying out loud. Jesus, she was saying, I heard her just as clear as you're hearing me. Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, I'm following Jesus, yes, Jesus. I understand, Jesus. I said to her mother, oh, would I ever like to get behind that scene and see what's going on. I bent low and I said, Sherry, it's Pastor Cole. A big smile burst out on her face. She stopped just for a second to give that smile and then she went, yes, Jesus, I'm listening, Jesus. He was more important than I was. In that moment, then after a bit, I said, Sherry, I want to take you by the hand. I'm going to pray for you. And she smiled again, only for an instant, and then went right back to her conversation in prayer. She was in tune. Thank God that a Sherry Brown found faith in the midst of a horrible, horrible experience and never doubted God. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Do you have faith? 
You don't know what 84 is going to bring. I don't know what 84 is going to bring. But if we have faith, it doesn't matter. It's the opposite of doubt. Don't you dare spout doubt. Speak faith. One of the greatest statements ever made is a statement in Matthew 17, 20. Jesus made it. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What a word from God. How much faith? Just a little. You don't have to recite all the creeds or all the doctrines of the church. You don't have to be able to recite the 66 books of the Bible in order and tell when they were written and give the theme of every one of them to have faith. All you have to have, according to Jesus, is a little bit of faith. The size of a grain of mustard seed, and I have stood in Israel and taken from a mustard tree a little pod and put in my hand hundreds and hundreds of those little seeds. They are infinitesimal. And he said, if you have faith just like one of those little grains of mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, get out of the way, mountain, I'm coming through, and it will get out of the way. Because that little seed, if it drops down to where rocks are and falls into some ground, you know what will happen? That seed will split that rock in half. That's, that rock has to give way to the power of that seed. Though it is so small, you could not even find it in the dirt. It will split the rock in half because of the power that's innate in the seed. Don't spout doubt. In this word there is faith, and it's powerful to split the rocks of discouragement, the rocks of disease, the rocks of disappointment, and bring you through as a disciple firmly fixed in Jesus Christ your Lord. Hallelujah. That's his word. Something small but packed full of power and reality. Now, have you got that down? That's my first word to you in 1984. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Take faith through the year. Secondly, one obstacle between you and total freedom is usually our problem. One obstacle between you and total freedom for many here in church today, there is just one barrier standing between you and full deliverance. That's true. God has revealed that. Just one thing. A locked gate in front of you and you don't have the key. Has it happened before? Do we have any record of it? Sure we do. How about Thomas? Remember? One locked door. And Jesus gave him the key. And how about Peter the night before his intended execution? A locked gate. He had come from the interior ward of the prison to the outer ward, but there was a gate there. The outer gate 
of the prison, the massive gate of the prison. It was in front of him. How would he get through his obstacle? Thank you for asking. I'd like to tell you. There was a combination of marvelous things. An angelic visitor, do you remember? The angel of the Lord came to Peter. Acts 12 is the passage if you're writing it down. There was then a light shining in the cell. Isn't that wonderful? When at midnight and it's dark and you're locked in, God is able to bring a light into your darkness. He did it for Peter. The angel has to slap Peter on the side to wake him up. He's so at peace in the inner prison. While the guard slept, Peter was awakened, and as he stood up at the command of the angel, the chains fall off of his hands and his feet. He slips past four guards, totally unnoticed. Especially miraculous this was, since two of those guards were always chained to the prisoner. <laughs> I love that. And the old devil likes to try to fasten some of his imps to us. No problem with faith. These guards stayed asleep while the shackles fell off Peter and remained on them. And he walked right on out to where the outer gate was, but it was locked, it was iron, just like some of your gates seem to be to you today. Now, Acts 12 tells us that when Peter and the angel came to the iron gate leading to the city, it opened to them of its own accord. That's the wording, of its own accord. I want you to get this. These four words in the Greek New Testament are automatos, automatos. These words are a combination, or this word is a combination of two words, auto, self, and maten, manipulation. Self-moving, spontaneous, voluntary. The gate opened to Peter. Our word automation comes from automatos. It opened of its own accord. Now, look at yourself. A series of minor miracles have happened to you. You've awakened from the death slumber of sin. You have arisen and clothed yourself just like Peter did in the prison. The chains of habit have fallen from you. You've started the march to freedom in Jesus Christ. You're trying today as a new year begins to walk in the light as he is in the light. You're leaving old problems and taking the march to fulfillment and suddenly an iron gate, no key, doubt sets in. I can't make it, we say. How many of you are in that boat right now? Only God knows. But I know there are many. But the Bible is filled with promises. Revelation 3 7 and 8, Behold, I have set before you what kind of a door? An open door. And no man can shut it. Not a closed door. Your problem becomes his opportunity 
your barriers, your locked gates do not prevent his divine automation from taking place. Automatos. It opened of its own accord. Did this really happen? Some people say, oh, did it happen? You better believe it happened. Herod had all the guards put to death as a result of Peter's disappearance. He would never have done that if it was a myth or a legend. He had those guards killed because Peter was free. Yes, it happened. Jesus intervened for this man, Peter. When did the gate open? When they reached it. Not before. When they reached it, how many of you are filled with doubt, filled with fear today? That passage in Revelation says the fearful and the unbelieving, along with the adulterers and the abominate, those who are abominable, they will not have a part in the kingdom of God. You see, what needs to happen on this New Year's Sunday is for our fear and our doubt to move out of the way in the presence of faith, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. When they got to the gate, it opened of its own accord. Not before. What is our walk in 84? It's a moment by moment, day by day, step by step, walk of faith. When you get to the problem, automatos, it will open of its own accord. Most of us want God to go in front of us swatting everything out of the way long before we ever get there. <laughs> so we can just sail right on through. But it doesn't work that way. Mustard seed faith is moment by moment trusting him, faith. When they reached the gate, it automatos, swung open of its own doing. Ada Habershon says of that, it is the most notable instance in Scripture of heavy objects being quietly set in motion in obedience to an unspoken command. It's an example of how easy it is for God to exercise his power over inanimate matter in any shape or form. Think of it. Pharaoh thought to stop the children of Israel at the Red Sea, but the sea opened for them. How did it open? The engineers, of course, mapped out a strategy, right? All those Israeli engineers got their heads together and said, if we dam this up here and we dam this up here, we can open it here and we can all... You remember the story, don't you? And then those jet planes flew over and bombed Pharaoh's hosts behind. Right? Huh? Wrong. Automatos! The sea parted! God parted it! He set it up like... Cement walls! And he could hold it there until he wanted it to come down. And he didn't let it come down until every last Israeli was through the sea. Same thing as Acts 12. They did not so much as put forth one little smidgen of effort. The sea opened of its own accord by an invisible power, just like the Iron Gate. The same Lord who originated your faith 
will bring you to your goals. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Peter was in the inner prison. He was asleep. He was chained. A series of miracles began to happen. An angel, a light. Chains fell off. He got up. He walked. There was still a gate. You have started. You have heard the gospel. You have believed the gospel. You maybe have been baptized in water like the 42 last night who were baptized in water. Confession of your faith. You have determined to follow Jesus like the song says, but suddenly there's that gate in front of you. The iron gate of God's perfect timing will automato swing open of its own moving. And I thought about Acts 12. I wonder if the gate made any noise. And I doubt it. It was probably noiseless. And I thought of that. We always look for bugles and trumpets and blaring horns and flags and drums. But God is at work noiselessly. Right now, without a sound other than my voice in this room, God is at work noiselessly, opening lock gates, assisting you in your jail release. Hallelujah! I believe that right now. Noiselessly, the Holy Spirit is churning in there, and He's putting a key in, and He's turning the lock, and noiselessly, that gate must open, that sea must roll back in the presence of faith. Don't spout doubt. God is at work. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Just get up and move when God sends His angel, when God speaks and says to put your hand into His side. Do it. Do it. Then thirdly, and last, how do you keep the gate open? Take a look at the word ask in the Bible and you'll find the secret. Just one little word, A-S-K. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it shall be given you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. Matthew 18, 19, again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. John 14, 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and it shall be given him. James 1, 5, ye have not because ye ask not. Oh, God, put that in my heart. Ask. God wants us to ask in 84, to keep the gate open and these principles of faith at work in our lives. Here are some principles under ask that you need to know in 84. First of all, decide what you really want. You know there sits before me today people who haven't really made up their mind. They're floating around. They haven't set goals. They have not outlined what they believe God wants them to accomplish in 84, and it won't happen. 
because you have not established a goal. When you decide what you really want, you ask, is it good for me? Is it fair to everybody concerned? Am I ready for it now? Is it according to God's will? Then you're ready to go to God with it, and doubt turns to faith when you ask. It's so simple. That's what builds massive bridges and big buildings. That's what makes miracles come into existence. When people visualize them, they see it's good for it to happen. It's good to everybody concerned. It would be in the will of God. God would be pleased in it. I'm ready for it right now. And suddenly the dreams become reality when people start asking about it and how to put it into practice. Decide what you really want. And then secondly, ask. Fix the verses that I've mentioned and many others in your mind. Who's making the promises? Some politician? No, God is. Will you believe? The Bible says nothing doubting. Ask. I remember when I was in college and I saw this pretty young Swiss girl every day in the lunchroom in a white uniform wiping off tables. I decided what I wanted. One day I lingered long in the lunchroom. Long, long, long. Every table was clean but mine, and I was the only one left. And I asked, will you go to the ghost light with me Saturday night? She didn't want to because it was not supposed to be. We weren't supposed to go there. And furthermore, she said, I have to type a term paper. I said, hey, I'm the best typist in this dormitory. I'll type it for you. (laughs) No problem. And I furthermore said, because I could see her concern, there will be four couples together. And I was tearing away the barriers before she had a chance to let me know there were some there. And I succeeded. And then one day, months after, sitting at the airport in Springfield, Missouri, in a car, I said, Marianne Von Moose, wouldn't you like an easier last name? How long will you carry that name, Von Moose? It could be simplified to four letters. I asked, and I was ready, for out of my pocket I whipped a Zales diamond. Charged. I don't do that anymore, but I I had to then. 
My adrenaline was high. And she took it. You knew she did. (laughs) The point is what, Pastor Cole? I had to ask. Would never have happened without me asking. Isn't that simple? That's what God is waiting for. Fix it in your mind and ask. And see what God will do. I dare you. The third step. Do what you can do. If you need a job, you can go out and look for one. God takes over when we have done what we can do. God called me to Bible college. I had $95. I did what I could do. I bought a ticket. I got accepted. They didn't know how much money I had, or they probably wouldn't have accepted me. But I did what I could do. I got a suitcase, and I filled it up. And I got a bus ticket, and I got on the bus. And I went to college with 95 bucks. And I made it through every year. And God never let me down. But I had to do what I could do first. And then God stepped in when I did what I had to do and what I could do. I like the spirit of the fellow who said, I cannot sing in tune, but at least I can sing with feeling. You do what you can do. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. God expects that of us. Don't spout doubt. Get your feet moving. Do what you can do. And last, ask slash believing. If you don't ask in faith, you might as well not ask. There is before me right now the picture of a father who loves and cares for his children. There is before me now, and I would to God you could see it, a picture of a heavenly Father with all power and majesty who loves and cares for every one of us here from one corner of that balcony to the other corner and all across this main floor. He loves every one of us and He is looking out for our better interests every day we live. I see that. And because I see that, I can ask believing because I know who my father is. Jan Paderewski was asked by a fellow pianist if he could be ready to play a recital on short notice. Paderewski said, I'm always ready. I have practiced eight hours daily for 40 years. The other pianist said, I wish I had been born with such determination. Paderewski replied, we are all born with it. I just used mine. Peter said, we all have a measure of faith. 
every man has a measure of faith. You have faith. You no longer have the right to say, I wish I could use my faith. You just do it. You just put it into practice. You ask believing. I close with a story. Last night I was at a wedding dinner reception. I had a wedding at 5 o'clock and the bride and groom had 30 people for dinner after it was lovely and I was seated at the end of the table with four teenage boys. They were delightful. Sharp. One of them, I think 16, comes here regularly. And he was telling me some of the stories I've told in my sermons. That kid remembers details. And then he said to me, where do you get all those stories? Well, I told him. He said, now, they're not true, are they? I mean, he was dead serious. He said, they're not true, are they? Those, those. I said, well, what do you mean? They're true, most of them at least. <laughs> Unless I say this is just a made-up fantasy or something. Now, some of my jokes, they're not true, but my stories are true. And I want you to know this is a true story. You remember a fellow by the name of Houdini? Houdini was the great escape artist. He said he could escape from any jail that man could ever create. And so, I read this in the Reader's Digest, so it has to be true. <laughs> so they put him in a jail, and he had a little tool. It was very, very hard and firm, and he would always hide that little tool somewhere in his clothing where nobody knew he had this, and that's how he got out of jail. They would uh, thrust him in this jail. There was no way out, and he would somehow always escape. And outside, people were waiting, and Houdini was inside, and he took out his little tool, and he began to work on the lock, but he said something was different about this lock. In 30 minutes, it didn't open, and he began to perspire. And he worked on it for an hour and an hour and a half. And that lock would not turn. He could not get that thing to move. For two hours, he was exasperated and exhausted and drenched with perspiration. And in his exasperation, he just leaned on the door and the door flung open. It was never locked. It was open the whole time. That's why it felt different, and he couldn't get it to click. Do you know something? Scores of you sit here today just needing to lean on the door, and it will fling open of its own accord. Because since we gathered here an hour and a half ago, the invisible God has been moving noiselessly through this place, dropping faith in our hearts and saying to us, do not be unbelieving, but believing.
And if we come before this great God not spouting doubt, our gate will swing open today. We can move from the interior of the prison to the outer world. Every man has a measure of faith. I adjure you, use it in 1984. Don't be in that category of Revelation 21, the fearful and the unbelieving and all the other who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Believe. Believe. He will never let you down. He will see you through. Don't for one day spout doubt and let's help each other. If our mouth should open and a doubtful thing comes out, let's help each other. Say, hey, don't spout doubt. Let that be a slogan around here in 84. Don't spout doubt. Speak faith. Like the grain of a mustard seed, just a little faith. Just a little faith and a little asking and a little believing. Bow your head with me, please. Lord Jesus Christ, replace our doubt with faith, our fear with belief. People have started the journey. They have received Christ. They want what's best, but they're so hindered by locked gates. And they speak doubt. And you're wanting us to turn that around and be believing like Thomas. And we will then say, my Lord and my God, all things are possible. Release people. Oh God, release people now from their doubts all over this building. Release them now. That 84 may be the greatest year they've ever known. A year when their children are born again when their mates are saved, when their business takes off, when God moves into their affairs and they know it's God that has done it. How many of you are right now at that gate? I want you to stand to your feet because my last part of the prayer is going to be the key in the door. Stand to your feet. Let's put the key in the door. Standing up is going to bring it about. Get to your feet. You've been filled with doubt. You're right at the gate. You're ready to move on through. Noiselessly, the Holy Spirit works to open that gate. Stand up. Stand up. Get on your feet. A step of faith. We're asking. We're asking, and we're going to believe. Stand up. Stand up. Put the key in the door. It will open. Autonomous. Oh, God. Help us to take you at your word. Stand if you'd like that. Whatever it is, a habit, a besetting sin, a circumstance, don't spout doubt. Have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Be not faithless, but believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, God, we're not looking for firecrackers and Rockets necessarily, if you want to send them, that's okay. This building can handle it. 
But that's not necessarily what we're looking for. We're just looking for the noiseless moving of that door out of the way. The Lord thy God doth say unto you, There is nothing that can stand in the way. Not the Red Sea, not the walls of Jericho, not the door of a prison. They will all move at the voice of God. Receive his word, receive his truth, and noiselessly the gate vanishes and the waters pile up and the walls are flattened down. Receive ye the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, thank you now. Thank you. Thank you. Faith is the evidence of things we do not yet see. But we're going to see them. And we're going to walk out free, just like Peter did. Thank you for touching these dear ones who are on their feet and give them a great victory. Hallelujah. There is not one doubt in my mind that God has already set those wheels in motion. 